From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 230 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Here we are. Let's dive into the identity of someone with anxiety. What makes up your identity? This is huge. So if you're stuck in suffering, if you're fixed in your ways of being and you're resistant to outside new information coming your way, um, this is the episode for you because uh, I was someone who was stuck in my beliefs. I was stuck in my routine and I was stuck in suffering. And I needed to break free from this confined space of what was most familiar. Suffering became what was most familiar. These habits that I relied on to numb and distract myself of the suffering and to soothe the suffering, they were not working for me in the end because I noticed that my anxiety was spiraling quickly down into the depths of hell uh, faster than uh, than I've seen in, in my life. I mean, once it gets going, it's really difficult to put the brakes on it if you're running the same patterns. And for me, the habits I was implementing in my 20s no longer served me appropriately when I was in my later 20s. And I see this all the time, not only with friends, but I also see with clients as well. I, I, I get a lot of young men come to me with pornography problems, addictions, um, marijuana addictions, and they say something really interesting. They'll say, you know, this was fun at the, in my 20s when I was going to college, but now I'm 28 or 29, 30 or to 35 even, they'll say, well, this is a problem for me. This is something that uh, it spiraled too far out of control. And I really thought about this and I'm like, well, why is it around this age that it, it really hits hits people? You know, these habits really sneak up and they really... Uh, they hit hard at this age. And I see a lot of old, I don't want to say friends because, you know, I would say I see people that I used to go to high school with, they blow up, <laughs> they get fat five, 10 years later when you go revisit their profile page, right? And you're like, what happened to these people? And I think that the foods that you are eating when you're in high school, when you're in college, your body can break them down better. You know, if you're eating cake and, and bread and a lot of that pizza, your body is capable of burning it off more efficiently. But when you get older, your, it, your body can't keep up with those foods can't keep up with the sugar it can't keep up with the carbohydrates and then it it just 
your body expands, right? And it's also partly because of exercise and stuff like that as well, obviously. But um, my point is, as you age, just because, you know, it was fun or it was it was part of your identity when you're 20 doesn't mean that you should continue that um, later down the road. And I think that's the best example I can come up with at the moment about habits creeping up and, and impacting you at a greater degree later down the road. They have more snakes attached to them than benefits. So yeah, the best way I can put it is you're eating carbohydrates and, you know, it, it, it might make you feel good and connected to other people when you're 20. And, uh, it, 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 you know, you're not really thinking cognitively too much about what you're putting in your body. But when you get older, you start to develop, you start to realize the snakes of eating sugar, right? The dentist appointments are getting too out of control or you're accumulating a lot of inflammation within the body, uh, a lot of respiratory uh, problems and so forth. The list goes on and on. So those with generalized anxiety disorder, they have to develop resources within themselves in order to contend with the many anomalies in their life, right? They have to build upon what they don't know in order to combat the amount of stress that is accumulating because as we age time is also a factor as well like captain hook as an example right like captain hook is the only adult in peter pan's life and no wonder peter pan doesn't want to grow up is because captain hook is a tyrant captain hook is full of fear he is running away from time the the crocodile with the clock in its stomach. And as we get older, we realize that time is the, a big dragon for us because time, we're, we're so aware of our own mortality. And as we get older, the foods that we eat when we're 20, they catch up to us when we're 30. And then we start to accumulate internal health problems based off the food that we haven't let go of yet. And then we come into contact with our more mortality, right? Like we can no longer remain unconscious like we were when we're 20. We have to wake up. We have to wake up. And so for me, waking up 28 with an anxiety disorder and realizing, oh my God, pornography is not working. Weed is not working. Oh my God, uh, the food I was eating is not working. The routines I have are not working. I have to sacrifice so much of my being in order to uh, get to the empowered place I really want to get to. I want to feel... Uh, like I have control over my circumstance, that is a journey and I have to, to embark on. And so I noticed that the snakes, when I was in my later 20s, the snakes piled up around me to the point where I, I felt like I was backed into a corner. I've neglected so much 
so many areas. I, I swept so much under the rug. I wanted to remain unconscious, but everything, life, God, whatever you want to call it, my body was screaming out to me, Brad, you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention. If you don't, then this is going to kill you. What you're doing, your routine, your habits, your way of being, it will kill you. I've seen friends of mine who continue to play out the same routine that is only harming them and they wind up in the hospital with heart problems because they refuse to look to their own actions. They refuse to acknowledge that what they are doing is no longer serving them in any real way. And so my map of the world at this point, you know, coming into contact with my mortality, it was pulled away from under me. Who I thought I was, was no longer me. You know, Brad, the pornography watcher who plays guitar, who goes out and has fun, who who uh, is a free-spirited person, who is very artistic and who want like all of these all of all of what I thought I was uh was pulled out from under me. When when I started to come into contact with the harsh reality of my situation because I was suffering so deeply from health anxiety. I was experiencing a lot of body pains and aches and my habits were catching up to me because at one point I cheated and then when I cheated, I came into contact with my shadow. My shadow is the part of me that I did not want to confront and integrate appropriately. The shadow popped up and I entertained my dark fantasies. I cheated and then I I realized and came into contact with the snake in my own heart. And that terrified me to the point where I eventually suffered from health anxiety because I was so fixated on, uh, you know, getting a disease from the person I slept with or contracting an STD, giving it to somebody else or uh, in the list goes on and on, like having a UTI and then it just snowballed and snowballed. So I had to build on this new identity of Brad who is not a cheater, right? Like Brad who is trustworthy that I could even trust myself. It's not about proving to other people that they can trust me, but how do I trust myself? That I build on that trust when I started to say no to the desires and the fantasies my mind played out. And that's why pornography recovery was so meaningful to me. And that's why I'm so passionate about NoFap. It's because pornography was this drive and desire I always fell into for a decade of my life. And for me to say no to something that had a a hold over me, like pornography was part of my identity, to back away and say, wait a minute, this is not serving me. I don't want to objectify women. I don't want to uh, 
listen to my mind whenever it comes up with a desire or whenever it's yearning for something, why should I give in every time that happens? I have no control over my being. I feel like a puppet and I need control. I, I'm so desperate for that. And, and that's why pornography for me is, um, this, the topic of no fab it's meaningful because this was a dragon of mine that I had so much difficulty contending with. It was a challenge to climb that mountain. But anyways, let's look at the identity of someone with anxiety. And this includes my old self. <clears throat> so <clears throat> many of those people who suffer from anxiety day in and day out, they build on their anxious identity by the habits they implement, right? And what habits make up someone with anxiety? Well, avoiding places that make them feel trapped in where they may lose control or Googling symptoms, phoning up your doctor religiously, talking about your symptoms to close family, close friends all the time to the point where they start getting annoyed with you, using drugs, alcohol, or TV to soothe and distract and numb the pain and discomfort. Um, you continuously check in on yourself during conversation. So you're not really present. You're actually very internal. You, you miss what other people are saying. You're, you feel like you're very forgetful. And partly that's because when your anxiety response is active, it takes over all other brain processes. It's a very primitive part of the brain. So a lot of people with anxiety, they feel like they're losing their memory. They can't remember things or they can't pay attention and so forth. And that's that's why. And then you spiral into procrastination. You spiral into uh, laziness because you feel emotionally drained to focus any sort of response, to focus on any sort of responsibility around the house or any anything that you're, you've swept under the rug. It's just too much to grapple with. Your glass is already overflowing with water. You, there, you can't afford any... Uh, more energy to handle the unknown. What you continuously act out determines what you value and your habits make up what you value. And Carl Jung, clinical psychologist Carl Jung says something so fascinating. He says, pay attention to your story because your story could be a tragedy. You could be narrating a tragedy. And so look to what you are doing every day and ask yourself, what am I doing that I would like to stop, but I just can't seem to stop? And if you really ask yourself, the answer will come. Now, what makes up identity? Identity is made up of beliefs plus values. And this is beautifully put by Rachel Luna, who I talked to in episode 225 of the Anxiety Project podcast. So go back and listen to that because she says, how do we change our identity? We have to look inwards at our beliefs and we have to look inwards at our values. So our beliefs are 
the stories we tell ourselves and the values are the habits that we act out every day that cement in our beliefs. So how do we determine our beliefs? Well, we have to ask ourselves, I believe what about this, right? So I'll give you some examples. I believe I need my partner close so they can confirm I am okay and that I will not lose control. I believe that there is real damage to my brain and I will always be like this. I believe all men or all women are untrustworthy. I believe I am unhealthy. Now, what are the habits associated with this belief? I would ask somebody who has that belief. Like, why do you believe you're unhealthy? What are you doing every day that cements in that belief. Maybe you're still smoking cigarettes. Maybe you're still drinking alcohol. Maybe you're staying up too late. Maybe you're eating Chinese food. Maybe you, you have heartburn because you're eating pizza regularly. Like there's so many reasons. Maybe you're not getting enough exercise. Uh, and then I believe I must check my body for defects in order to confirm I am okay. Then when your actions support your beliefs, this builds on your identity. Now, Dr. Carol Dweck, who wrote the book Mindset, which I highly recommend, she says that people with a fixed mindset believe that they're born with certain intelligence, skills, and and abilities that cannot change. But success comes from having the right mindset. That growth can happen depending on how open you are to the unknown. The unknown, the potential lurking outside what you already know. Jordan Peterson talks about this. He says, do you want to be friends with what you know or what you don't know? Because there is so much more that you don't know. It's better to be friends with what you don't know. And those with a fixed mindset they attract others with the same mindset. And more so than not, when your fixed mindset comes into contact with an anomaly, in some ways, you are forced into exploring the unknown. I'll give you an example. When you are diagnosed with diabetes, you're forced to change your eating patterns. You're forced to read books about it. You're forced to build on your knowledge of diet and nutrition. Those with fixed mindsets are extremely resistant to new information. They don't want to kill off those parts of themselves that are not working for them. In fact, they feel there is no part of themselves that need to be burned away. And so in step one of recovery, you have to admit to yourself that you were ignorant for a long period of time and that help is required that you are not sufficient enough in traversing this area of suffering and so what's so fascinating about movies like the lion king or star trek no i was watching uh star trek the next generation the other day and Riker, you know lost captain picard to the borg and uh Riker is now the captain of the Enterprise, and he turns to the heavens as he's standing in 
Picard's office and he says, what do I do? What would you do? And then the doors open and Guinan appears, the, the ship's bartender who's very wise. She is the shaman character and she appears. And I found this to be so profound because we see this in The Lion King when Simba looks to the heavens and he asks a question that is outside of his domain, his fixed mindset. The shaman appears and guides Simba to the waters where he finds enlightenment, where he looks to his own unconscious mind. And that is so profound because when we look outside of what we already know and ask questions into the unknown, it's like we're looking into the the abyss and we're screaming and we're asking a question. It's like answers appear. It's so interesting. When you shift your perspective away from what you already know, you will find answers and new information will bubble up to the surface. Then I ask you, who are those role models that you look up to that exude health and empowerment? Because I assure you, once you start to ask these powerful questions and look elsewhere, you will stumble upon empowered people. It's funny because when I was backed into a corner with generalized anxiety disorder, I I really I screamed to the heavens. I went on Google and I was like I was typing in uh how I was feeling and then a coach appeared and I looked towards the coach for help. And if it wasn't for for the questions I asked in Google, then I wouldn't have got the help I needed. And then eventually that snowballed into, you know, stumbling upon Wim Hof, for example. For me, I, I there was something about Wim Hof's energy that really connected me to him. And because, well, when I started to listen to him, he he said in his in his interview that he looked to the unknown. He looked to the the ice water for answers to his suffering. And he found the answers in the pain of the ice water. And so he broke from his hopeless identity by building on the identity of transcending suffering through cold exposure. He discovered by pushing himself gradually into the ice water, into the unknown, that he is capable of more than he thought. And then James Clear, who wrote the amazing book, Atomic Habits, he says that you must separate yourself from the fixed identity. And you can use words to do that. You can say to yourself, I was a smoker. I was a porn user. I used to lie to people in order to get my way. I used to eat sugar. And then when you shift your habits along with the words that you tell yourself, then the real wins, the real separation 
can occur because our na- our our names our minds are neuroplastic meaning that we can rewire the neural pathways and rechange the brain we can mold the brain and the best way to do that is through repetition are you obsessed enough to make any real change because for me I was surrounding myself with my mentors, with these empowered people every single day because I knew that even if I didn't understand what they were talking about, I knew that if I was just subjecting myself to their wisdom, I would inevitably build on that wisdom in my own mind. And then I was starting to act out the habits that made up these role models. And so a 1% adjustment today, it will not show immediate results, but it will be radical in one year's time. In Atomic Habits, James Clear, he gives an example of why 1% gains is so crucial for overall growth and performance. He talks about the British cycling team and how they failed to win a gold in 100 years. I think they won once out of 100 years. They were always in last place. They were in rough shape. The cycling companies that provided the teams with the bikes didn't want the British team to represent their companies. So these cycling companies were like, well, I'm, I'm not going to give the British team our bikes. It's embarrassing. And so what management started to do, I think uh, someone came in with a growth mindset who looked towards the little 1% and started to go, okay, well, let's change the seats of the bikes so that they're comfier. Let's give everybody on the team better mattresses and better pillows so that they can have a better night's sleep. Let's paint the inside of the, the workstation that where we keep the bikes white so that we can see any dust or any dirt that could impact the performance of the bikes. Let's, let's, uh, change the outfits of the riders so that they are more comfy and 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 let's uh, work on the diet of the the cyclists and little stuff little one percents ended up being a win for the team and then this is what's so crazy they started to win the next race and then the next race, and 60, I think 66 wins later, they are at the top of, of their domain of sport. Now, that is remarkable just through these 1% gains. Because, you know, my clients would say, hey, Brad, why do you want me to clean up a part of my house? Why do you want me to... Uh, build on a sleep and wake time. Brad, why do you want me to start to meditate in the morning or build on a morning routine that involves journaling? Why do you want me to implement uh, breathing exercises throughout the day? Why do you want me to change 
the foods and sacrifice some of the foods that I'm eating, these are all 1% wins. They are not going to be self-evident right here and now, but in a year from now, the change will be so... <laughs> it, it will, you, you won't even be in the same place anymore. I promise you. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. So in summary, your identity is made up of beliefs and values. What do you believe about yourself? Do you believe to be unhealthy? For me, my foundation was of someone who is unhealthy. It was rocky. It was built upon sand, right? I had to scrap that foundation and build upon upon that foundation, rebuild, right? And retool myself. So I had to look to my beliefs and then a great way to separate yourself from your beliefs is to change your actions because usually what makes up your identity is your actions support what you believe. So if you change your actions and you change your 1% wins, then you change on, on what you believe. You might not you might see yourself as someone healthy now that you've quit sugar or you stopped smoking or you've changed on your sleep and wake time so that now you're getting adequate sleep, you're feeling better, you're feeling more energized, you're feeling emotionally stable, you're you're building, you're stacking wins every day from these 1% changes. Rise above anxiety. Make sure you share this with somebody you know who could greatly benefit from this content. If this content resonates with you, please, please leave me a review on Spotify. I would greatly appreciate it. I will see you next time. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com.